Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Welcome to SSR Mining's third quarter 2021 conference call. This call is being recorded. At this time, for opening remarks and introductions, I would like to turn the call over to Alex Hunchak from SSR Mining. Thank you, operator, and hello, everyone. Thank you for joining SSR Mining's third quarter 2021 conference call, during which we'll provide an update on our business and a review of our financial performance. Our financial statements and management's discussion and analysis have been filed on CDAR, EDGAR, the ASX, and are also available on our website. To accompany our call, there is an online webcast and you will find the information to access the webcast in our news release relating to this call. Please note that all figures discussed during the call are in US dollars unless otherwise indicated. All references to cash costs and all sustaining costs are per payable ounce of metal sold. We will be making forward-looking statements today. So please read the disclosures in the relevant documents. Joining us on the call today are Rod Antle, President and CEO, Allison White, CFO, and Stuart Beckman, COO. Now, I'd like to turn the call over to Rod for opening remarks. Thanks, Alex, and good afternoon and good morning to you all, and thanks for joining us today. I'm going to speak first on our strong third quarter performance. Once again, we are performing at a high level and setting quarterly operating records across the portfolio. These operational milestones contribute, contributed to the gold equivalent, product, gold equivalent production of 187,000 ounces of gold at an all-in sustaining cost of $1,006 per ounce. For the year-to-date period, we have produced 583,000 gold equivalent ounces at an all-in sustaining cost of $990 per ounce. Given the strong year-to-date production and cost performance, we are lowering our all-in sustaining cost guidance to $1,000 to $1,040 per ounce. The fact that we are able to accomplish this outstanding cost performance admits the well-documented industry cost pressures is a testament to the efforts of our teams to deliver on a number of cost-saving initiatives this year. With respect to production, we remain on track to deliver against our 720 to 800,000 gold equivalent ounce guidance range that is tracking between the midpoint and the higher end of guidance. We're extremely pleased with the operating performance to date as we continue to showcase the quality of the combined operating assets. Our strong performance has directly translated to free cash flow generation of $129 million in the third quarter and $306 million in the year-to-date period. Sorry, my uh, machine moved on. In the uh, in the year-to-date um, in the year-to-date period.
Sorry, sorry about that. We had a, a glitch on my computer. The cash flow generation supports our capital returns program. We have returned nearly $150 million to shareholders through the share repurchase since April via NCIB program. Additionally, our board approved another quarterly-based dividend, bringing our year-to-date capital returns to approximately $180 million and we remain on track to deliver a total capital returns yield in excess of 5.5% in 2021. In the third quarter, we announced a positive expiration update for both Artage and CB and expect additional expiration updates from Marigold, Copper Hill and Amex by year-end. At Chirpler, the approval of the updated EIA included the flotation plant and in, any, in October is a, and is a significant and positive milestone. Looking further ahead, we expect updated technical reports from Chirpler, Marigold and CB in 2022 that incorporate our recent exploration success and provide a welcome and comprehensive refresh for SSR. So turning to the next slide on ESG. ESG is and has long been a core value and focus for SSR mining as it firmly underpins the success of our business. We continue to see positive health and safety trends in our operations reflecting the efforts we have applied to improving the well-being of our employees, contractors and communities. We have successfully navigated the pervasive challenges of COVID globally and our mitigation efforts have enabled us to avoid any COVID-related shutdowns at our operations in 2021. We are committed to our communities and to the environment and we continue to deliver against the priorities outlined in our 2020 sustainability report. This will lead us to review and refresh our priorities as we move into 2022, including our commitment to begin establishing an action plan to achieve net zero greenhouse gas emissions by 2050. We've also begun to improve disclosures on climate and water and aligning our reporting with the requirements of the Task Force on Climate-Related Financial Disclosures. So moving on to slide number five. We're proud to showcase our continuous efforts to improve our approach to ESG. And while it is not a driver of our ESG efforts, we are pleased to see our results are being recognised by some of the industry's leading ESG research providers. Notably, SSR Mining was recently upgraded to an A rating by the MSCI and will remain ranked in the top quartile amongst our peers by ISS. Moving on to the next slide. On top of our excellent operational ESG performance, SSR Mining has an established track record of adding value for our shareholders. This was most recently evidenced by the sale of our non-core royalty portfolio for $100 million, which was significantly higher than the consensus valuation ascribed to the portfolio by our analysts. SSR Mining has a proven history of delivering complex capital projects on time and on budget, as well as accretive and disciplined M&A as shown in this slide. Our strategic review of the silver portfolio continues following on from the successful sale of our royalty portfolio. With the recent operating and financial strength of Puna and the bright outlook ahead, we have recently determined that Puna will remain core to SSR. The review of the rest of the silver portfolio continues. Moving on to slide seven. As I noted, our year-to-date production 
of 583,000 gold equivalent ounces compares favourably to the full year guidance, while year-to-date all-in sustaining costs of $990 per ounce has allowed us to reduce the all-in sustaining cost guidance. At the asset level, we have received approval for the updated Chirpler EIA in October and will begin ramp-up of the flotation plant upon completion of the provincial level permitting by year-end. Chirpler remains on track to meet its full-year production guidance, with gold production tracking to the midpoint of the original guidance. Marigold remains on track for, full, for the midpoint of full-year production guidance, while CB is trending towards the upper end of its production guidance, and Puna is track, on track to exceed the full-year silver production guidance. We continue to invest in high-growth return opportunities across our business, including capital projects like Artage, exploration drilling across the business, and investing in the work to complete a number of technical reports all designed to improve both the longevity and value of SSR. Stu's going to touch on these in all these initiatives in a minute. And just moving on to slide eight on our quarterly highlights. We've already covered a number of the main quarterly highlights, so I'm not going to spend much time elaborating here. Alison and Stu will provide a more detailed overview in a minute. However, a few highlights that are relevant to consider this quarter. Our year-to-date safety performance remains on a positive trend. Operationally, we continue to deliver records across all our four assets with five consecutive quarters of delivery since the merger closed. Financially, we delivered an adjusted EPS of 40 cents in the quarter and our robust margins and low cost production translated to $120 million in free cash flow and despite the $150 million in year-to-date share repurchases our quarterly and our quarterly dividend payments and continued debt servicing, we remain in a net cash position of over $500 million that provides us with the required flexibility to advance our large organic growth pipeline well into the future. So with that, I'm going to hand the call over to Alison, who will discuss our financial performance in more details on slide number nine. Thanks, Rod, and hello, everyone. I'm pleased to comment on another positive financial quarter for the business, as shown here on slide nine. It was a solid quarter operationally, as we produced 186,941 gold equivalent ounces during the quarter. Sales were impacted slightly toward the end of the quarter by a now-resolved strike at a port in Uruguay that delayed delayed concentrate shipments from Kuna. We reported gold equivalent sales of 176,299 ounces for a total of $323 million in revenue for Q3. Year-to-date revenues now total $1.1 billion in 2021. We continue to deliver in all aspects of our business and are proud of the cash flow and returns that are generated as a result. Attributable net income for the quarter was 57 million or 27 cents per share, and adjusted attributable net income was 85 million, with adjusted attributable earnings per share of 40 cents, demonstrating the continued strong operational performance, cost discipline, and execution of the company's strategy. In the first nine months of the year, attributable net income was 164 million or 76 cents per share, and adjusted attributable net income 
with $288 million, or $1.33 per share. On the right side of the slide, I'd like to provide some commentary on our reported $0.40 cents in adjusted earnings per share that is calculated based on our definition of adjusted attributable net income per share. We start with our attributable net income of $0.27 cents per share and then make adjustments to exclude the after-tax impacts of specific items that are not reflective of the company's ongoing operations. Each of those items is outlined in the waterfall chart on the right of the slide with the largest of the adjustments for $0.12 cents related to the amortization of fair value bump as a result of the adjustments to inventory and mineral properties at Scherpler at the time of acquisition. Other adjustments include COVID-19 related costs and Forex adjustments, along with the associated tax impacts of those adjustments. Additionally, I'm excited to be able to provide some information on our lowered AISC guidance in the face of pervasive inflationary pressures to date in 2021. As noted earlier in the call, we have lowered our 2021 AISC to 1,000 to 1,000, sorry, to 1,000 to 1,040 dollars per gold equivalent ounce, from 1,050 to 1,110 dollars per gold equivalent ounce, incorporating the strong operational performance, which has cash costs trending to the lower end of guidance. To date, we have managed costs within the business well, as demonstrated through the Q3 AISC of $1,006 per ounce. As we noted in our second quarter call and are reiterating again today, we have managed inflationary headwinds in part through the continuous improvement practices that we have pushed forward since the closing of the merger in 2020. That work is ongoing within the business, and while it will continue into the future, we do anticipate that cost pressures for the U.S. and Canada will be higher, especially as we move forward into 2022. In some other jurisdictions, we benefit where inflation is largely offset by currency devaluation, and we expect this trend to continue. Turning to slide 10, we can talk about SSR's continued balance sheet strength. SSR Mining closed the quarter with $900 million in consolidated cash, with continued debt servicing, quarterly dividend payments, and execution of our share repurchases, bringing year-to-date capital returns to shareholders of more than $180 million. We remain well-positioned to continue our capital allocation policy going forward, fully funding our portfolio of organic growth opportunities, while maintaining our significant capital returns to shareholders. Our net cash to EBITDA ratio has increased to 0.7 times, demonstrating our resolve and placing us in the top quartile of our peer group. Further, our cash balance is 95% held in U.S. dollars. On slide 11, we can talk more about SSR's position as a free cash flow leader and our capital returns. Our continued operational outperformance translated to robust cash flows in Q3, including operating cash flows of $188 million and free cash flow of $129 million during the quarter. Year-to-date, we have generated free cash flow in excess of $300 million reinforcing our full-year consensus free cash flow yield of 11% that remains well above our peers. We have aligned that free cash flow performance with our capital returns initiatives, returning nearly $150 million to shareholders through share repurchases and an additional $33 million in year-to-date dividend payments. 
we are well on track to end 2021 with a capital returns yield of 5.8% given we are closing Q3 with returns that already exceed 5%. As we look ahead into 2022, our capital allocation priorities include investing in growth, returning cash to shareholders, and maintaining balance sheet strength. The combination of our leading returns and significant free cash flow generation differentiates SSR mining. We will continue to execute on our priorities, both financially and operationally, as we move through the final quarter of 2021, while we also evaluate shareholder returns for 2022. Lastly, before I turn the call over to Stu, I want to touch on another initiative for SSR mining that will lead to changes in 2022. Turning to slide 12. Effective as of January 1, 2022, SSR mining will transition to U.S. GAAP reporting as a large accelerated filer under the SEC. As a result, our full year 2021 financial results will be released under U.S. GAAP requirements and will be reported along with restated 2019 and 2020 financial results. This transition will also include the restatement of existing technical reports under SK-1300 requirements, in addition to the current NI-43101 report. The updated Turkler District Master Plan will be released under SK-1300 requirements, and it is important to note that the SK-1300 reports released for Marigold and CB will be followed by updated Master Plan technical reports at both assets later in 2022. What that means is that while the Turpler technical report will incorporate the totality of the exploration success up to the last release, the initial reports for CB and Marigold will not represent the full value drivers that we believe exist for the properties and updates will be forthcoming as the work is completed. We expect this transition will improve our access to U.S. investors and view the change as an opportunity to strengthen our already robust shareholder base. A full review and analysis of the required changes to become an SEC filer remains ongoing and will be reported to the market as required. Stu will now walk you through the operational highlights starting on page 13. Thanks, Alison, and thanks, Rod. I will lead off with ESG. Our sites continue to operate safely, each with bespoke COVID protocols tailored to their situation. Immunisation rates at all of the sites are above that of their host communities and in the 80s and 90s at Chirpla, CB and Puna, but remained stubbornly low in Nevada. Following the merger a year ago, we focused our immediate efforts on updating our ESG policies and building out our integrated ESG management and information systems in line with contemporary industry best practice. This, along with good old-fashioned line leadership, is delivering good and improving results. As you know, the work and effort in the ESG space never eases, as we expect and drive towards ever higher standards. Our improved operational discipline is delivering results that exceeded our expectations for improvement with recordable injury frequency rates year-to-date at two, which is about 60% of improvement on our 2020 figures. We strongly believe that driving and delivering better performance in ESG builds a stronger, more productive and profitable business. Moving on to operations and growth, the third quarter continued the performance trend from H1 with throughput records at all of the mines and good cost control. We had reduced gold poured at both Chirpla and Marigold for the quarter, but neither of these were the result of enduring issues. Marigold had a problem with the strip vessels, 
and so gold was held in inventory at the end of the quarter and the delay in the EIA at Chirpla meant that the flotation plant commissioning was delayed. We manage the things that are in our control and so all of the sites are focused on operational excellence which includes productivity improvement and cost control. These improvements are being built into our plans and budgets for 2022, helping to offset some of the inflationary pressures. Moving on to the slides with Chirpler on slide 14. The Chirpler sulphide plant delivered another record quarterly throughput. All of the major shutdowns are complete to 2021. The delay of the float plant negatively impacted on production, but was partially offset by high throughput rates positive mine reconciliation and good mine planning to optimise sulphide ore presentation to the plant. The flotation plant construction and operational readiness activities were completed on time and on budget. As mentioned previously, we have received the EIA, made the applications for the local permits and expect to receive these before the end of the year. The start-up team is assembled and ready to go. The flotation plant allows us to take advantage of the latent capacity in the sulphide plant and increase the overall plant throughput. It will also reduce reagent consumption and lower the unit cost of ore treated. Released exploration results for Ardich in the quarter and these very good results will be incorporated into the updated technical report which we will issue in Q122, which we will call the Chirpler District Master Plan 2022, abbreviated to CDMP22. Artich will move to the reserve case and be the significant feature of CDMP22. In the last technical report, the Artich PA showed the potential to add about a million ounces of production starting 2023. Exploration continues at Artich and we expect that the value of this project will continue to grow beyond what will be presented in CDMP22. The board approved funding to progress Chirpler Copper C2 order of magnitude study to a PEA level for inclusion into CDMP22 technical report. This work aims to leverage off the considerable copper driven mineral value within and immediately adjacent to the reserve and resource shells that the current mine plan does not exploit. Can you jump to slide 15 for Merigold? Mine tons were another record for Merigold. Gold production was delayed by unscheduled maintenance issues that resulted in an increase of gold in the circuit. In particular, repair work to the Aleutian vessels in the carbon stripping circuit increased the carbon on, uh, sorry, the gold on carbon. The Aleutian vessels were repaired late in the quarter and the gold will be poured from inventory in Q4. We also had some reduced flow rates on the heap leach while some reticulation blockages were cleaned. Work to drill and equip dewatering bores continued and the water drawdown, drawdown rates are looking pretty good. This will provide access to higher grade ores from the Mackie pits later in 2022. Stripping of the 5N pits to the north of the property continues and ore is starting to be accessed now. We plan to provide an exploration release for the Greater Merigold pro property before the end of the year. Exploration is mostly focused around the existing pits and is ramping up at Trenton Canyon. Overall, we drilled just over 24,000 metres for the quarter. As part of our SEC filings, we are required to provide an updated SK1300 technical report based on our existing resources early in 2022. Unfortunately, this does not provide time for the development of some of the prospects 
So we will aim to deliver a subsequent, more comprehensive technical report later in 2022. Marigold will have a strong quarter for finishing well within guidance. Move on to slide 16 for CB. CB continues to improve its performance in both ESG and production. In the quarter, we replaced some gears on the mills in a major plant shutdown. The CB operation is mine limited. As a result of the plant shutdown in the plant, the mine moved further ahead of the plant, adding to the plant feed stockpile which we built in Q2 as a result of the higher grades in Q2. After the shutdown, we operated at almost 40% above the average annual processing rate, a record monthly mill throughput, demonstrating the significant latent capacity in the plant. With the plant taking feed from both the mine and the stockpile for the quarter, we expect the mill will be mostly unconstrained in Q4 and a record quarterly processing throughput. Underlying mine production metrics have also been steadily improving at CB. We have a positive view of the potential at CB and are beavering away on improving conditions for our team and on our production continuous improvement projects across the whole site. The Q2 unexpected very high grade zone ore was at the edge of the resource model in the bottom of Santoy lower nine zone. Of course, we are exploring the area and working to regain access to mining operations, which we are targeting for early next year. We released an exploration update for CB during the quarter, highlighting the potential of the greater CB property, including the Fisher 8020 JV to the south. Drilling continues at CB Santoy and at the distal exploration sites of MacNorth, Joker and Fisher. Our exploration team are aiming to hand over the Joker and MacNorth this year to the resource development team to further design the resources to the extent needed to allow development. The exploration team can then continue on generative work and the long prioritised list of targets. Like Marigold, CB will be required to provide an updated SK1300 technical report based on our existing resources in early 2022, which will be followed by a subsequent and more comprehensive CB technical report later in 2022. We are also preparing an exploration release in this quarter for Amisk, our other active Saskatchewan exploration site. Move to slide 17 and we'll discuss Puna. Puna is settling into quarter-on-quarter -quarter delivery above about 4,500 tonne a day rate, which was above our expectation when we started this year. Good production and cost control is keeping the RASC down. The changeover to Owner haulage from the mine to the plant started in April and the performance has been much better than expectation, helping to further reduce our operating costs. Planning for Puna is now being redone, assuming this better performance in the mine, higher throughput rates and lower cost base. Those parameters will form the basis of the SK1300, which will also be issued in February 2022. Aiming to extend the life of the operations, the exploration team have been at Puna reinterpreting and reanalyzing some of the targets and deposits around the current operations, along with the Generative Soil Geochem program. Please move to slide 18 for the exploration. I'm not going to repeat the commentary from the previous slides and just draw your attention to a couple of points. We have considerable portfolio of exploration targets in the Americas and Western Europe. 
We also have some small generative programs in North America and Turkey and remain opportunistic and receptive to inbounds. Since the merger, we've been improving our active management of the portfolio, focusing on the higher probability and value opportunities and shedding the others. Nearmind projects and targets close to installed infrastructure offer the fastest, lowest cost development opportunities and are getting the lion's share of exploration effort, which you can see clearly around Chirpler, Marigold and CB. That said, the concurrent greenfields exploration work is important as a pathway to step change the business value by organic, organically building out the portfolio of operating mines. Drilling at Copper Hill in the Black Sea region of Turkey is delivering more encouraging results. In April 2020, we released exploration results for eight holes, a number of which had very clean, high-grade copper mineralisation intercepts close to the surface, including 40 metres at 2.6% copper. We aim to release this year's drill results within this quarter. Wrapping up, it was another solid quarter for the business and the operations and growth teams. Thank you very much, and back to you, Rob. Well, thank you, Stu, and thank you, Alison. So to summarise, 2021 has been an impressive year, reiterating the strength of our business and our commitment to shareholder returns. Since the merger, we have delivered record productivity across the portfolio, reinforcing SSR Mining's appeal as a leading mid-tier gold producer. We have an exceptional portfolio of organic growth opportunities and expect to provide additional exploration updates to the market through the remainder of the year. It is our belief that our strong free cash flow, peer-leading capital returns, and significant growth optionality will continue to be a key positive differentiator for SSR moving forward. So with that, I'll pass the line now to the operator to take any questions you may have. Thank you, Mr. Antle. We will now begin the question and answer session. To join the question queue, you may press star, then one on your telephone keypad. You will hear a tone acknowledging your request. If you are using a speakerphone, please pick up your handset before pressing any keys. To withdraw your question, please press star, then two. We will pause for a moment as callers join the queue. Your first question is from Taylor Langton with JP Morgan. Please go ahead. Yeah, good afternoon, Rod Allison and Stu. Uh, thanks for taking my question. Um, you know, you know, maybe just to start, can you talk about the levels of inflation you know, that you're seeing now, kind of you know, what items are coming from? And then you know, for 2022, you mentioned that you know, th those, you know, those pressures could accelerate a little bit. I guess you know, could you maybe give a little bit more detail uh, you know, so kind of to what level uh, you kind of expect inflation to be at, and then I guess if you still sort of, you know, have some room, um, you know, to offset them with sort of you know the items like continuous improvement that are benefiting you now, and I guess it's it's more geared towards the U.S. and in Canada. Yeah, Taylor, thank you for the the question. Um, certainly appreciate it, and. We are definitely seeing some, I'm sorry, I said Taylor and I meant Tyler, so apologies. Um, <laughs> I, I, um, I'm sorry. So anyhow, so to answer your question, um, prim primarily um, to focus on the U.S. and Canadian in inflationary pressures that we've seen, um, most of those 
particularly in the Canadian market, have come through um, as a result of some labor um, cost increases that we've seen within the business. Um, and we, you know, the, the offsets to those are coming from other areas um, within the business in terms of our continuous improvement um, activities that we have, primarily in the supply chain um, area overall. And so we are anticipating, as I had mentioned, that in 2022 we will likely see some additional cost or inflationary pressures really um, primarily in the, the supply chain area based on inputs um, for diesel and other um, large consumables that we use. And um, we will, you know, continue to try and offset those in other areas where we can. Um, but we are still working through what some of those offsets might look like for 2022. Perfect. And then I guess second question, I guess you know, for Rod, um, and I guess you know, you've kind of largely completed, you know, the share buyback. Just as you kind of look forward, can you just talk about your, your thoughts and preferences for capital allocation in terms of, you know, returning cash to shareholders? Um, sort of organic growth projects, M&A, just kind of how, you, how you're thinking about those right now? Yeah, look, I think, um, I think what we've been able to do this year is <clears throat> actually execute against what we said, which I think was an important uh, placeholder for the company to do. Um, there's a, <clears throat> too many times you see uh, you know, capital returns um, uh, promised in the form of share buybacks that are never executed against, and I think what we've done this year is not only continue to pay our base dividend, but also execute against the uh, the share buyback program at the at the rate that you've seen um, released today. So, so I think that was an important sort of start for us as a business. Our our approach to capital allocation holistically hasn't hasn't changed, Tyler, in terms of the way we're going to approach it. Um, it's it's a continuation of reinvesting in the business. Um, you know, some of the exciting options that Stu outlined in the presentation around uh, growth um, that we have within the portfolio um, around all of our assets actually uh, will continue to be a key, a key um, 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 focus for us as well as one of the key areas where we'll have capital allocation put to. Um, we'll continue to look at and evaluate um, supplementing our base dividend um, which is set um, around that 20 cents uh, per share. Uh, per annum, and uh, we'll look at the at the methods of supplementing that um, um, as as the time comes around. So next year, as we, we're resetting it, we'll have a look at whether it's um, a more of uh, uh, adding to the base dividends in terms of a dividend and or a, a share buyback. So we haven't set that yet, but in principle, the, the framework hasn't changed, and that's why we were very clear to put it out there as a. Um, you know, a, a holistic approach to uh, capital allocation for SSR going forward. But it will feature part of it. We want to be, uh, you know, want to be seen as, a, um, as a, a company that can really do it all, continue to invest in growth and uh, return yield to our um, shareholders. Great. Thanks so much. The next question comes from Cosmos Chu with CIBC. Please go ahead. Hi, thanks, uh, Rod, Allison, Stu, and team, and uh, congrats on a very good uh, Q3. Um, maybe my my first question is on the, you know as you talked about Rod, your silver portfolio. As you said, you've reviewed your silver portfolio, and Puna is now core. Um, I don't know how much you can share with us, but uh, you know what criteria are you using in terms of looking at your silver portfolio? 
And one asset that I get asked quite a bit uh, of late uh, in your in your sort of growth portfolio in your silver on your silver side is Pitaria. And I did a control F on your MDNA. I couldn't I was kind of surprised I couldn't find Pitaria in it. Um could you maybe give us an update on that as well? Yeah, because look, I think um what what we've seen from day one is you know across the portfolio we'll continue to be very disciplined um around the the way that we'll manage the extensive holdings that we have. Um, and, um, you know, the, the, the first cat off the rank for, in that regards was obviously the sale of the royalty portfolio. We've made, we've made no, no secret of the fact that um, as we go through, you know, even our expiration assets, that um, we will, we will um, remove things from the portfolio that don't belong um, and replace it as, as time goes on. In terms of the silver assets, um, um, again, they were in the same category into, in that review. Um, and we look at a number of factors in terms of um, um, their longevity in the portfolio. Do they belong? How do they contribute to the success of SSR? Um, do they contribute free cash flow, obviously, importantly, um, as well as uh, any upside potential that might exist within the, uh, within the, the assets themselves? So. Um, um, you know, having a look at Puna and in particular, you know, it's obviously clearly in uh, right now a cash harvesting mode. Um, uh, many years of hard work have turned that asset around to where it is today. It's been a significant outperformance for us um, uh, through the hard work of the team in, in 2021. And we do expect that to continue into, uh, into uh, 22 and beyond. So from, from that perspective, it's a valuable asset. It has meaningful cash. Uh, contributions, and we like the uh, we like the um, um, the, you know, the the full the, the look of the full potential of what that asset might be um, for us. Um, when we look at other assets like Pitaria, as you mentioned, um, uh, some of the other criteria that we look at is you know new jurisdictions, um, you know taking a step out into 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 new countries, size, scale, um, fit, and. Uh, um, uh, to uh, to the rest of the portfolio, and obviously, you know, clearly Pitaria is a new jurisdiction for us in Mexico, um, and size and scale um, is probably not of the the um, the type that we'd want to keep it into uh, to the portfolio. So, so part of the review that we'll look at is to uh, to understand um, whether there would be a a, um, a number that um, we would be willing to uh, part ways with that asset in the future. So, and we'll continue to look at that. And if we have any more information as as that process um, unfolds, um, we'll obviously keep the market informed. Mm-hmm. Of course, that's great. Thanks, Rod. Um, maybe switching gears a little bit. Uh, as you mentioned, uh, 2022 will be fairly busy in terms of technical reports. I think two sets each for Marigold and also CB. Um, likely, you know. As you said, the first set will not incorporate some of the upside potential here. Um, but how about the second set? You know, more specifically, say, and Marigold, you know, there's a lot of exploration potential. You have pointed out Trenton Canyon. You've pointed out Buffalo Valley. You've pointed out the Millennium Model. And um, SCB, you know, there's the uh, Gap Hanging Wall. There's uh, Fisher. There's Joker. Um, at this point in time, like, do you know how much of that exploration upside could potentially be incorporated into your technical reports? Okay, I'll answer that. Uh, Hi, Stu. Yeah, so um, obviously I 
can't quantify because that would be a, a guess way too early, but I could give you an outline of what it is that we're looking to achieve. So at Marigold, um, we'll be looking to pull the materials around the Valmy pit um, and um, the other operating pits where it's within the operating permitted areas into sort of the production as early as we can. And then stepping out to, um, you know, subsequent to that, um, uh, the, sort of the new millennium um, and those areas that we're drilling out um, and um, providing some sort of indicative timeline of, of what we're trying to achieve there where we can't actually pull them in yet but we'll be able to describe what we, what we can. Um, and then out at Buffalo and Trenton Valley, uh, Trenton Canyon and Buffalo Valley, um, um, we're still looking at what levels of um, um, definition we've got across the resources um, and the work that we've got and we're obviously out there drilling at the moment. Our ambition is to where we can pull some of it in sort of at a PFS level and then some of it may come in at a PEA but certainly be able to describe what our plans are for the whole of the property. Um, and the intent of the, the, the master development plans like we did at Chirpler is sort of to map the longer term um, um, strategies out for the properties, um, for all of the, all of the properties. Un unfortunately, given the timing of the SEC, you know, we, we'll probably pull a few few bits in where it's close to the close to the existing resource and reserve cycle you normally would do on an annual basis, but we won't get the big chunks. At CB, um, it will be to get um, the gap hanging wall um, as much as possible into the reserve, um, where we haven't managed to do that already. Um, probably some extensions where we're drilling at um, the Santoy 9, um, get the um, Santoy hanging wall better defined and pull that in, um, and then be able to start to define the, the story down along, um, you know, down towards Fisher, so Joker and then into the top of Fisher and then some of the other deposits there. So, um, you know, we're pretty excited about that. Um, but we just won't get as much of the work done and completed um, by really it's the end of this year to be able to get it into a technical report for publishing in the first month or two of next year. Mm -hmm. Does that yeah. help? And Stu, <clears throat> yeah, for sure. Um, you know, it's been a while since I've been to uh, CB Santoy. Um, can you remind me in terms of like Joker and some of those other, um, you know, exploration uh, uh, targets, are they reachable from the current decline or, or do you need... Um, you know, additional infrastructure here? Um, so Joker looks like it's the extension sort of on that Santoy. Um, so we, we we are hoping to be able to access it from there. Uh, we may need to put a decline in further down. Um, we are still pretty early, so we're still, you know, it's still exploration drilling. We haven't really done the um, uh, resource definition drilling yet. So it just it's going to take us a little while to be able to answer that comprehensively. Um, mm -hmm. And the other thing I would say about that, when you look at those results, we've only really drilled those down to about 200 metres and the experience in Santoy was that the grade went up at depth. So, mm. you know, we hope that we see the same trend um, um, in, in Joker and um, uh, Macnaught. But it's going to take us a little while to find out whether that holds up or not. Mm -hmm. Great. And, and then maybe one last question, saving the best for last, you know, on accounting here. Um, uh, Allison, as you mentioned, you're switching over to U.S. GAAP. Um, maybe it's too early at this point in time, but uh, I'm trying to figure out um, what are some of the key differences. You use IFRS right now. 
uh, versus U.S. GAAP. And, you know, my understanding is that IFRS might be more flexible, more room for interpretation versus U.S. GAAP, which is more rules-based. I think I seem to remember that IFRS is also more balance sheet focused versus U.S. GAAP, which is more earnings focused. And so, you know, I guess hopefully it doesn't take too long and, and to the to the you know level that you can. What are some of the key, you know, differences that we should be looking for? So look, um, you know, we are working through our evaluation right now um, to understand all the different implications. Um, you know, in general, as you look across IFRS in comparison to U.S. GAAP, um, three of the areas that we might see some the biggest changes are in deferred stripping taxes, um, and then also in relation to some of the share-based compensation accounting. And so um, we we don't yet have numbers on that, but when we do, we'll you know be providing that out to everyone um, at the same time and be sharing what that looks like. But um, at the end of the day, we've got a lot of work to do between now and when those mm. financials go out. So we need a little bit more time to work through that at this point. Just to uh, finish it, um, you actually sound like you're well versed on accounting standards anyway, so it might be in the wrong industry. But we'll, we'll, um, we will, as soon as we've got the the, the clarity, and uh, Alison and the team have done the work, um, we'll come out and spend time with folks to uh, to take them through those changes um, uh, or what whatever changes end up happening, um, just to make sure everyone's well aware of what they are and and. Um, and what they might be to uh, ensure everyone's on the same page moving into 2022. Mm -hmm, for sure. And, and maybe just one quick follow-up. Um, in terms of, you know, being a SEC registrant um, and then using U.S. GAAP, do you foresee any changes in terms of how you disclose, say, non-GAAP measures? I'm just wondering if there's additional restrictions on how you can present, just say, adjusted earnings, you know, production guidance, cost guidance, or anything like that, or, or do you anticipate not that not being an issue? Um, so I do think that we're going to have to revisit all of those items um, as a part of the review, and we're currently, again, just working through that um, right now. Gotcha. Okay, great. Those are all the questions I have. Thanks again. The next question comes from Oves Habib with Scotiabank. Please go ahead. Thanks, operator. Uh, hi, Rod and SSR team, and uh, congrats on a good quarter and uh, receipt of uh, the Choker EIA. Uh, just a couple of questions from me, uh, just starting off uh, with the Choker EIA. Now, that obviously includes the flotation circuit. Now, from what I understand, you need some additional provincial permits to start commissioning of the flotation plant. Um, are you looking, you know, to get these permits uh, in the next couple of weeks? Um, and if so, would you like, would you look to start uh, the plant in mid Q4, or we should we expect a startup in early 2022? Yeah, hi, Vase. It's it's Stuart. So um, we applied for the the permits immediately on getting the EIA. It, this is sort of pretty typical. You get your EIA, and then you have to apply to the local municipality to be able to operate your facility. Uh, they were on site last week and you know, we're expecting it imminently and our team is there ready to go. So as soon as, as soon as we get the permit, we will start and we expect to get it sometime in this quarter. Um, we never know exactly because it's a, it's a permit with the municipality or a, in this case, the, the, the local province. 
thanks, Swart. And and in terms of you know, in terms of the ramp up, um, how how long are you looking at the ramp up of uh, you know to get the plant commissioned? And yeah, it'll be pre- it'll be pretty, yeah, it'll be pretty quick. Um, it's a very simple plant, so it's just a simple flotation plant. Uh, we've had lots of time to um, complete all of the water testing and have it ready, uh, ready to go. So, you know. We we do have it, of course, when we put these in, we had it um, for the first quarter reduced to about 70% impact, um, um, and we're pretty confident it'll come up quickly. But, you know, like always with commissioning, it's the thing that you don't expect that, that always gives you a surprise. So we've made allowances for those things. Sounds good. Uh, good luck on that. Um, just um, moving on, so just uh, on the... You know, production side. So year to date, um, you know, you guys have produced approximately 583,000 gold equivalent uh, ounces, uh, essentially implying Q4 production, you know, of 177,000 ounces to achieve the midpoint of guidance. Now, how should we look at Q4 compared to Q3? I mean, are you expect, expecting similar quarter to Q3? And maybe if you could just give us some color on how you expect, you know, the mines to kind of operate in in Q4. Uh, we don't normally break it down individually, but I'll just give you sort of in generic terms. So, you know, we expect a good finish from uh, Marigold, given that we had um, what we had in uh, inventory coming out. Um, we've got, um, um, you know, CB has a clear run to the end of the period, has stockpiles in front of the mill, and whereas normally it's mill limited waiting on the mine, it's not going to be waiting on the mine. So. As I said earlier, we're expecting sort of production throughput there um, at CB, um, and at Chirpa we'll be commissioning the uh, commissioning the um, um, uh, the flotation circuit during during the period, um, and have benefited a little bit from some positive reconciliation in the mine and good work by the, the mine planning crew to to uh, mitigate a little bit the impact um, on the business, and then. Um, Puno has been, you know, as I said, it's it's really settled into um, this sort of around a 4,500 tonne a day or a little bit north of that um, production, um, and we would expect that that to continue. Perfect, and, and thanks for the colour on that, Stuart. Uh, and just a follow-up to uh, Cosmos's question on the tech reports on CB and Marigold. Now, I believe you're looking to release a three-year guidance in early 2022. Uh, you know, I just want to be clear. Just want to be clear that, that I believe this guidance is looking to include the new Chopner mine plan. But is it the plan to also include Marigold and CB plans as well, or technical reports as well? Yeah. So um, we'll issue we'll issue the guidance. We'll, we'll be issuing at about the same time or slightly later the the technical reports, and obviously those those numbers for the first years are going to align to each other. Okay, perfect. So we're still on uh, target, I think, so for the three-year guidance, and so yes, to answer your yes. question. Perfect, perfect. Thanks, Rod, and thanks, Stuart. Uh, that's it for me. No worries. Thank you. The next question comes from Michael Saperko with RBC Capital Markets. Please go ahead. Thanks very much, uh, guys. So. Um, Going back to the uh, the balance sheet and, and capital allocation, can you expand a, a bit about how you think about things uh, going forward here? Maybe aside from from M and A, I mean, obviously you've 
uh, returned a lot of cash, visibility into more subject to the buyback limits, uh, but longer term, given the cash you, you should be generating, how are you thinking about deploying or managing it in a, in a very first-class problem to have, I guess? So should we be thinking about uh, a higher payout or paying down more debt? And, and does growing cash uh, concern you at all from a capital efficiency perspective? So I think um, it's, a, it, as you said, Michael, it's a, you know, a fantastic problem to have. And I think... Um, you know, as we as we think about it, we don't look at it as a problem. We actually look at it as an opportunity. So, um, you know, the business clearly uh, within it has a number of um, uh, newer and formative uh, growth opportunities. In um, some of these things, will require us to uh, to think about you know capital investments in the future, new mines, um, new uh, new territories. In fact, um, outside of our current. Um, our current districts are surrounding the mine, so there's clearly there's clearly a portfolio that's starting to come to life here, and uh, and for us to ensure that we keep the integrity in the balance sheet to to tackle those opportunities in the future is very important to us. The, the other thing that I'll say is, you know, we'll assess it on a yearly basis, like we always said. Um, the, the framework set, the alloc the capital allocation strategy. Uh, won't change. We'll stay fairly consistent to it. But from year to year, we, we may we may change the uh, the mix um, of what we do in terms of either it's more dividends or, or, or more share buybacks. Um, in some in some years, then we might actually even pull back if we had a, a big capital allocation in front of us. Um, we'll just go back to uh, to the base dividend. So I think that that flexibility uh, within it's um, um, very important. And the only thing I will say, and Alison might want to add something to it, is you know, I always remind folks this is a cyclical business um, and maintaining some balance sheet strength through through cycles is very important to us. So so while folks might say, well, you've got net cash, you know, above $500 million now, um, you know, is there, is there more to come? Clearly, yes, with the free cash flow generation we have, but we also want to maintain that balance sheet strength uh, so we can, you know, survive through those cycles. And um, in some cases, you know, there's sometimes the best time to look at other opportunities outside our current portfolio as well. So um, it, it's a very holistic approach. It's flexible and it provides us, provides us with a, uh, an ability to shift and adapt. Well, that, that's, uh, that's great. That's a good answer. Uh, thanks. And um, maybe just one follow-up for me and, and maybe more philosophically, maybe too philosophically, for a, a Wednesday afternoon. But uh, in terms of the uh, Kirkland uh, Agnico transaction and, and more consolidation at, at the top uh, of the sector, or in general how the sector continues to evolve, can you can you talk a bit about how you position yourselves and differentiate yourselves in the market and to investors, or? In, in fairness, is, is whatever anyone else does completely irrelevant uh, to you and, and the business plan? Um, look, I, I don't think we can put our head in the sand and ignore what's going on in the in the markets. So I think that would be wrong. Um, I think we've proven over a long time now that we are a, a dynamic group, um, um, You know, not only in terms of our operational performance, but the way that we think around strategy and the way we execute against our against our strategy, I'd like to think in in the other way, Michael, that we're actually probably one of the first ones to do it. If with the merger of Alasa and SSR, um, in a very meaningful way, when we brought the companies together with no a uh, no value leakage to either shareholder groups, is is, is probably um, paved the way for others, um, and one that you've just mentioned, 
um, you know, clearly there's, uh, you know, a, a, a other folks thinking around the same. So, you know, in our mindset, it's right. Um, the industry does, in my view, need consolidation. Um, there um, are still, um, you know, too many uh, stranded assets, single assets, and too many management companies running smaller portfolios. So I think, you know, um, with that backdrop, um, you know, I think there is clearly an opportunity there for, uh, for industry consolidation. Um, but I think you know, it's really going to come down to, to what's right. And um, you know, when you sit down and you, uh, you put um, you know, companies together on paper and look at them, um, sometimes it doesn't make sense because there is no strategy to it. Um, or there, it might be outside of um, you know, what's called strategy from one company to another company um, you know, going forward. Or indeed, there could be uh, the fact that um, um, you know, some folks are quite happy to uh, keep on managing their businesses. So for us, it's a, it's a, it's on a, it's, it's on a. Um, we'll look, we'll keep looking, uh, we'll keep on reviewing them uh, opportunities as, as they come along, um, and uh, and if you know anything uh, is interesting to us, uh, we'll obviously pursue it. But um, you know, um, it's some of these some of these strategic deals are, are much harder to do than say. Great, fantastic. Thanks very much for the answer, and uh, have a good evening. Thanks. Great. Thanks, Margo. The next question comes from Mike Jalonen with Bank of America. Please go ahead. Oh, hi, Rod and Allison and uh, everybody there. Uh, I just, Rod, just had a question. Uh, this transition, SEC reporter, being analyst for 34 years, I've actually, I can't remember for a covered company that I've covered, seen this done before. Does this mean SSR is going to be redomiciled as a U.S. corporation? No, it doesn't, Jell. Look, I think it's simply um, uh, a couple of things. You know, um, um, there's a there are tests that you have to run um, around retaining your FPI status, your foreign private issuer status in the U.S. Um, you know, where your shareholder base is, where management are. Uh, where decisions are made, and uh, you know, clearly there's coming a point for us with our um, um, U.S. Uh, shareholder base being plus 50%, um, and the fact that we you know we've got the um, the uh, management team um, in the U.S. Um, there's a point where we're probably going to um, fail that test. So part of that for us was to actually looking at it as an opportunity for us to become a a, a full issuer in terms of you know SEC and U.S. GAAP. Um, that we can, um, you know, actually probably service our U.S. investors better and hopefully open up um, uh, the market to us for some of those U.S. investors who can't um, invest in companies that don't have, um, you know, full, full issuer um, compliance. So um, it, it might be unusual, but it doesn't mean we read domicile. It doesn't mean we lose our Canadian entity um, um, uh, basis. Um, it just means that we're going to re be reporting under uh, SEC rules um, as our primary um, as our primary focus. Okay, well, maybe you're setting the template here for other Canadian gold producers to do the same thing. And uh, just looks very interesting. So, okay, well, thanks for that. I agree with you, John. Look, from our perspective, you know, while there's obviously a heavy lift here and. There's um, you know, a lot of things that need to be done, as you can as you can understand, and you heard us describe today. Um, you know, having the opportunity for us to really tackle um, and and um, you know get um, get 
um, um, uh, visibility into the U.S. investor market um, with the fact that we've got this, you know, full compliance around U.S. GAAP and others is fantastic, actually. So we're uh, we're actually looking forward to it. I, I, uh, you know, um, I think it is a, a real opportunity for us and our shareholders. Thanks. This concludes the question and answer session. I will now turn the call back to Mr. Antle. Great, thank you. Uh, thanks everyone, thanks for joining us today. A, another solid quarter and uh, look forward to, uh, to the next update uh, in early in the new year. Until then, thank you. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.